0: Hello and welcome to the Animal Files and we have a really special interview for you today. We have Drema Denver. She's an author, an advocate, and the wife of Bob Denver, the lovable Gilligan from Gilligan's Island. And we are so happy to have her with us. Now I'm going to just send it over to Miranda and she's going to start us off.
1: <laughs> We're really excited to have you on our show today and equally thrilled that you and your PR people actually reached out to us to help promote your brand new book that has come out, Zen and Now, yeah. Right there.
2: (laughs) I felt it coordinated with my book today. Did you notice? Oh,
1: (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. (laughs) And we'll just plug the other books that you have out too, because you're a three, well, I guess a two-time author, but you kind of coordinated on the third one from what I understand. Yes.
2: I have three books out right now. One mm-hmm. book coming out in September. I've written all of them myself, but the one I think you're talking about is it's a storybook for children called Four Bears in a Box. And the idea for that book was my husband's idea.
3: Oh, okay. He
2: gave me an idea for a book and he said, I think you should write a children's story about this. And here's the title. And I was like, What would four bears be doing in a box? Mm. I mean, come on. And he was like, That's what you got to figure out. So <laughs> it was years after he passed away that I finally did figure out what they'd be doing in a box. And it was very creative and very fun. But uh, he didn't live, obviously, to see it published. But Mm. it is a multi-award winning book, internationally award winning children's book. And then, of course, I did Gilligan's Dreams, which is the memoir that is the story of my 30 year marriage to Bob. And I think 30 years count, you know, not a 72 day marriage (laughs) like we hear about in Hollywood, but a long one. And so that was our love story and our story I bet we had an autistic son, a severely autistic son, the only child we ever had. So it's our journey through autism and the end of Bob's life. And I'm very, very proud of that book, which is also an award winner. And then, of course, my newest one is Then and Now. Mm -hmm. The one that comes out in September is Four Bears in a Box Back to the Beach. So that will be a follow-up to the original bear book.
1: mm. Oh, cute. That sounds great. That's awesome, too, that you're helping to because I think four bears in a box he said was related to the autism as well wasn't it or is it just a basic it children's book it is course?
2: basically it was well, it was a book that I wrote I wrote it in rhyme because when he was growing up our son loved rhyme mm. and I Every Dr. Seuss book in existence, at least a thousand <laughs> times. I'm not, kidding. and I'm not exaggerating. I know that sounds over the top, but I'm not exaggerating. And so, in that regard, I kind of geared it toward what I knew our autistic son loved, what made him laugh, and what engaged him. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, in that regard, yes. And it's also, you know, what the bears were doing in a box, <laughs> by the way. You know, anybody who's ever had a child in their life of any kind knows that when they're little, when you buy them something or you order something like a, I don't know, something that would come in a great big box, the kids love the boxes more than they love whatever came out of the box. And <laughs> so so that's, that's that that thought, <laughs> I are it
3: with
2: animals too. I know. I thought there's a book in this because mm-hmm. in my book, when they're good bears and they mind mom and they do their chores then the reward is a great big cardboard box. And when Mm -hmm. they get in the cardboard box, then that in their imagination can become anything. And it Mm -hmm. becomes a rocket ship and a train and a hot air balloon and and a throne and a mountain that they climb. It, It was just really a book about creativity and imagination, which I think our kids need oh, yeah. nowadays, because they're always this, you know, even the little mm-hmm. ones are this. And
1: exactly.
2: And so I know. I'm very proud of the book. It, it was really, it was such an honor to write it in Bob's memory. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a page in the back of that book called the story behind the story, where I tell the story of Bob coming to me and telling me he wanted me to write a book and give me a title and all of that. And it really, you know, to me, it was all about circles. Like I had completely forgotten about that book until, uh, gosh, I guess it was 2018, maybe 2019. I was spring cleaning and I was going through a drawer and there was a manila envelope and I opened it up to see what was in it. And it was the typewritten pages of the book. Mm -hmm. And I read it and I thought, this is really cute. Now, 20 years later, it had to have some tweaks a couple of things had to be changed, which made the book actually better, I think. And it was just like full circle, you know, because at the time, Bob mentioned that our son was getting older. He was hitting teenage years and he was getting oh, a little more difficult and challenging. Mm-hmm. And so after I wrote it, we just put it away and kind of forgot about it. So it was, um, I don't know, some kind of wonderful blessing to be able to do it and to be able to look up and go, look, honey, <laughs> I did it. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it. But it got done, you know. It was very fulfilling to have that happen.
0: Yeah. I have a feeling he was probably guiding you to that drawer to find that.
2: I think you're probably, as a matter of fact, <laughs> sure you're right. You know, it just seemed, you know, even 17 years later, he's been gone for 17 years. And even all these years later, maybe not every minute of every day, but I still feel him with me sometimes. Mm. It, it seems like this is corny, I guess, but it feels like when I need him somehow mm. oh, he's yeah. there, you know? And that's a, a lovely thing. Cause 17 years later, I miss him every day. I just, you know, he was the love of my life and nothing will ever change that. But he equipped me, which I didn't realize when he first passed away, but he equipped me to be able to carry on as a single parent to a severely autistic son, which was terrifying to me. Mm. And um, I don't know, Bob was so smart, which you wouldn't connect with Gilligan, but you just have to trust me on that. He was he was so smart, so well-read, so intelligent about every, could talk to anybody about anything. And I think in 30 years, some of that rubbed off on me. So mm, uh, I was I'm able sure. to carry on when he had to uh, yeah. you know.
0: and I would have to argue that if you look back at some of the old Gilligan's Island shows, he kind of was one of the smart ones on <laughs> <Yeah>. the island. <laughs> <laughs> True. He's not getting credit for that very often, but it's true. (laughs) Oh, I saw it every time. (laughs) You know,
2: and another thing, people, when somebody says this to me, I go, ah, you get it. You cannot be a nebbish or a dummy or, you know, somebody who messes up all the time like Gilligan if you are like that. You can't play that. You have to be intelligent to take that character and make him lovable and likable and not somebody that you want to go... (laughs) <laughs> Get it together! Absolutely. <laughs> um, but he was he was highly intelligent, Bob was. I mean, it mm-hmm. still one of the smartest people I've ever known in my life. You know, and and I was blessed. I mean, truly blessed to have so many years with him. So
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to focus on that such part. a beautiful story, mm-hmm. <laughs> beautiful love story. I'm so glad that you guys found each other and you've done the great work that you've done. Well,
2: that's what Gilligan's Dreams is all about. I've sort of given you a capsule version of that, but. It really is about the the highs, the lows. Bob told me once, well, he told me many times, not obviously after he was diagnosed and was sick, but during our marriage, he would say to me, because I was younger than he was, he would say to me, I'll probably go first. And if that's the way it happens and you want to write a book about our story, do it. But if you do it, be straight with it. Tell it like it was, don't pull any punches, don't sugarcoat it. And so that's what I did.
3: Mm-hmm. And it
2: is, it's all about the adjustment in the beginning when I met him when he was a little bit of a drinker and I'd never dealt with that didn't really know how to deal with that and then straightened up and it was the love story falling in love and all the you know wonderful parts that come along with that and then deciding six seven years into our marriage to have a baby and having a child with special needs and how he stepped up and he did he never left me not for a second to deal with it on my own you know and I wanted people to know that about him. People who were fans of his, Mm -hmm. he really, he was not a perfect human being. None of us are, but he was an honorable man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And loved his son so much. So I just wanted people to know about that, who he was Mm -hmm. as a person as opposed to Maynard G. Krebs or Gilligan. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So with all the challenges that, You've kind of had to, I don't know if you want to refer to them as challenges or, <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh yeah, they were. All, the, all of the challenges that you have dealt with um, through, through your life. Eventually you ended up adopting Zen. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about Zen, how he came into your life, why he was so special to you.
2: You know, Zen was my husky mix. Love of my life dog. See, Bob passed away in 2005. Now, I've always had dogs. Bob and I had dogs, multiple dogs. And I always loved them. But I guess you guys will know what I'm talking about when I say, I've always loved my dog. I had a golden retriever that I got, Bob, for Christmas one year that we adored. And a dog that was a rescue from Costa Rica that our daughter brought back to us when she went on some kind of retreat there. And she brought us a dog from Costa Rica, you know, and I love them all. But once in a while, apparently, you get that one dog that is just your soulmate when it comes to human dog relationships. And Zen mm-hmm. was that for me. I got him in 2013. I had gone through some challenges prior to that. And the Golden Retriever had passed away, and the uh, Costa Rica dog had disappeared. You know, I live on top of a mountain in the woods, and she left one day and never came home. And mm-hmm. I was just sort of lonely. And I needed, I'm a pretty loving person. I've got to have something to love on, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, the it's called the Southern West Virginia Animal League here in Southern West Virginia, where they were having a, there was a tailgate party for a big high school game, and they were going to bring some dogs there. And something told me to go down there. And so I did. And there was Zen. He was so gorgeous. He was just Mm so, well, you can see here. I mean, look at those eyes.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was just,
2: oh, he was such a beautiful boy. And I don't know, there he was. And, you know, I got him out, put him on the leash, walked him around. He was just calm. and, And there was a lot of action going on. You know, he was just calm and sweet. And I thought, oh, maybe. So I asked the ladies, I said, could I think about it over the weekend and then get back to you on Monday? And of course, over the weekend, I couldn't. Forget him. Mm. Though I adopted him, obviously. And I have to tell you, ladies, I hope you're old enough to know what I'm talking about when I say he was a Stepford dog. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Okay, like a Stepford wife. I mean, he was a Stepford. Literally, he never did. I had him eight years before he passed away. I never had to yell at him. He never did anything bad. He never Mm. did in the house. He never chewed up anything. He never had to be told no. He would go outside on the property. I'd take him out and he would go up to the way up the hill to the edge of the woods to do his business. Now he'd pee on everything because that's what boy dogs do, right? But yeah. but when it came to the other, he would never do it in the yard. It was just like he knew. First time I took him out the door, and I again live on top of mountain, deer are in my driveway all the time. Mm-hmm. We walked out the front walk and there were five deer in the driveway, and he literally looked up at me. Like, hey, you know, and I said, nah, I don't think we're going to chase the deer. And he went, okay. <laughs> and it was just like. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my gosh. And he never chased the deer, ever. Mm-hmm. And that just, I don't know, it just blew me away how perfect he was. I mean, there was nothing not to love, you know, nothing to aggravate or raise your blood pressure. No. Now, I have since adopted another husky, full husky, who does raise my blood pressure sometimes. <laughs>
0: I've heard that huskies kind of do that mm-hmm. on the regular. <laughs> I, I love them
2: because Zen was so perfect. I thought, you know, maybe I don't know what I thought, but I rescued this one. I went to the animal shelter and there he was one blue eye, one brown eye, Aww. just looking calm, looking at me like, I think I need to go home with you. And I was like, oh, Zen worked this one out for me. This is great. Brought him out. Most rambunctious dog I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I'm too old. He's like, really, he wears me out. But it's probably a good thing because it keeps me moving. And
0: yeah, mm-hmm. staying mobile is is really a good thing. And animals are very good at that. Yes, they are. Yes, <laughs> they are. But my Zen book,
2: Zen and Now, is it's a love story. I mean, it really is a love story. And anybody who has ever loved a dog that way, you know, soulmate dog, love of my life dog, will totally get it. And though it's being marketed as geared to older children, I can promise you that if you've ever been in that position of loving a dog that way, you will love the book. It's a quick read, it's not a big long 12 chapters, you know, funny things that we went through. And then, you know, I didn't want it to be, do you know what I'm talking about when I say old yeller?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: But I yeah. didn't want it to be that kind of book. So right. I jumped into what happens to the dog and how heartbreaking mm-hmm. it was but so many people have commented on this and it makes me so happy because I really struggled with how to end the book without making mm-hmm. it oh mommy you know. I didn't want kids crying about it mm. there's a chapter earlier in the book where the dog and I are having what I call a couch cuddle and I'm talking mm-hmm. to him about the rainbow bridge we're both getting older and I'm talking about the fact that one day you know he may go there before me and what that would be like and how beautiful it would be and all of that. And maybe I'm giving too much away, but in the last chapter, you're gently introduced to the fact that that's where he is Mm. um, and waiting for me Mm -hmm. for the master to come and it will make you cry, I think, but it's, it's beautiful. I mean, it's really, Mm. and it's very hopeful. It was how I started writing this book two days after Zen passed and so I was just full of all that love and emotion. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and it was just, um, I don't know. It was just such a gentle way to do it. You know, he does look up one day and here I come. And it's the joyful reunion. It's what in my heart or any dog lover's heart, you want it to be.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Whether the rainbow bridge is a made up thing or not, there can be something very similar to that. Mm-hmm. I just have to believe that would be true, that I'll see him again someday and that we will like we hope for everyone we love, you know, but that we will be together for eternity and we'll be able to run through the meadows and over the hills yep. and
3: swim in the streams.
2: <laughs> but, you know, I just wanted that to be what it was. And I had one lady say to me that she said, I would buy 10 of these books to have on hand for any friend who might lose, you know, I mean, we're all going to lose our animals because they don't yeah. have a very long lifespan, sadly. And she said, you know, anybody I know who, who loses a dog, or even a cat, though this is about a dog. She said, I'm going to give them this because it's so
3: hopeful.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well, the concepts are the same. I was on the website and I was looking at the book. I'm actually, I'm not a big reader, but when it comes to, especially the relationships of animals and also the passing of animals, I think when animals pass, it's beautiful in a lot of ways, if we allow it to be. Yes. I was looking at it. I'm like, I need to get this book because I have dealt with an awful lot of deaths. Now I don't have dogs. I've had cats my whole life, but there was a period of time that I lost at least one to two cats a year for about six or seven years in a row. And it was, it was really, really, really difficult and traumatic. And I learned so much about the process of aging in animals and their eventual transition. And when I saw your book, I was like, I I need to have that in my library. and I need to read that book because I have a feeling that it's going to mirror some of the things that I've dealt with and I've been thinking for a long time. So I want to have it in my library. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I think I really,
2: of course, I would recommend it because
0: (laughs) I love it, but that was
2: not saying. But I really do think it, because it, it, it really is comforting and it, it comforted me. And I'm very impressed with what you said about losing an animal. And it can be a beautiful thing because I'm going to tell mm-hmm. you a little story that I do not have in the book, obviously, because I didn't want to go there. But Zen, like many older dogs, ended up not being able to get up on his hindquarters. He couldn't yeah. walk anymore. And so I took him to the vet, hoping that there would be something, but there really wasn't anything that he could, could be done. So this was the first time that I'd ever had to have an animal put to sleep, Mm -hmm. and I had no idea what. I mean, I had a vague idea of what that would be like. So I loved my vet, and when I went in and they did some blood work and they were looking to, they thought maybe it was lyme's lyme disease, and we could Mm -hmm. treat him for it, but it wasn't. So when he told me the best choice was to put him down because he wouldn't be able to walk, or I mean, there really was no choice. I said okay, and I take they'd taken him in to the vet. This is when they weren't letting people go in with their dogs. Mm. They had taken him in on a stretcher low to the ground. And the vet looked at me and he said, Mrs. Denver, you do whatever you need to do here. And I said, meaning, and he said, whatever you need to do. I said, okay. So I got down on my knees. I climbed on the stretcher with him. I put my arms, mm. kind of put my arms around him and uh, oh, I don't want to start crying, but, but I put my arms around him. I was able to tell him what a good dog he'd been, how he was the love of my life, that you know, when he got where he was going, look for Bob, because you know, you'll love Bob. I wish Bob mm-hmm. no knew. I don't know. I was able to say all the things that, that I wanted to say before they gave him the first shot. And the last thing I said to him, and I, I know it's going to sound silly, but the last thing I said to him, I said, look, I'll be there before too long, because, you know, in terms of eternity, you know, I said, I'll be there before too long. And when I get there, I better look up and see you making a beeline for me. You better be <laughs> running as fast as you can because I'm gonna be waiting like this for you. And it was just so, I don't know, satisfying and comforting to be able yeah. to. And the vet was so kind about it. And so they gave him the first shot, and of course, then everything oh, it was just weird. And then they gave him, you know, the second shot, and I just laid with him for the. They just let yeah. they left the room and let me stay in there. I laid with them for the longest time and petted him and, you know, and I don't know how that sounds, but it was a really comforting thing to be able to.
0: It sounds normal to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. okay, That's what I do. Yeah. I spend as much time as I need with them. I have conversations with them on, and on our podcast. I'm always telling people, talk to your animals, have conversations with your animals because they can understand parts of what you're saying. Yeah. So if you need to go somewhere, you need to travel, talk to your animals. If there's a change, talk to your animals, always talk to your animals like they are a person because animals are people too. And they need to be respected as such.
2: They do. And why people get, I tell you, there's nothing more frustrating to me or depressing or disheartening or than to open Facebook and see pictures. I have to unfollow people who put these up. I can't take it. Pictures of animals being like on a choke collar with spikes in it and left outside.
1: Yeah. I can't stand that. Don't get
2: a dog.
1: Right. If, yeah. if you're
2: not going to be able to treat them like part of the family and include them and love them. Why do people get them? I really don't understand it. It's, you know, I know that sometimes you can get a, a I had one dog before the golden retriever. I think it was, or no, no, no. It's a dog I got right after Bob passed away because I was lonely and most neurotic dog I've, I mean, Bart constantly, all the time, drove me a little crazy, but I would never mistreat him. I just don't understand why people bother if they're not gonna, you know? Yeah,
0: uh, I think it's just, I think it's our conditioning, you know, what we've grown up with, and also depending on which generation and which culture you grow up in. There's just so many different thoughts around animals in regards to our human world that has been shifting, thankfully, over the last few decades towards where people are realizing that animals are their own person. Yeah. But I think a lot of that is just conditioning and, and generational stuff people don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's up to people like yourself and in our podcast and the vets out there and whatever to teach people the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I step for
2: dog that he was, I'm pretty sure that Zen Understood full sentences. I mean, I really, oh, I'm sure I always felt like that. Like when I looked at him and said, No, I don't think we're going to chase the deer. And he went, Oh, okay. You know, and it was (laughs) so weird because I have this story in the book too. But the first time, so I got him in September. And so that Christmas season was coming. And we were in Lowe's and I was looking for a Christmas tree for my son's house. My son lives across from me with caregivers. So, and we went. You know, I made sure he peed before we went in. First time he'd ever been in there, though he didn't. And so we we got into Lowe's, and I went over to the Christmas tree section, and we're doing our thing, and I could almost see him go, "Whoa, trees! Okay, fine." Lifted his leg, peed all over the Christmas tree. <laughs> so obviously, that's the one I had to buy. <laughs> you know, yeah, he picked it out for me, I guess. But it was just so funny because he was so beautiful and just such a sweet dog that. Everybody in Lowe's, like the lady who was helping me and all this, she was, oh, don't worry about it. Not a problem. <laughs> I said, well, I'll buy the peat on tree. And she's like, oh, that, that's fine. That's fine. But I did. I bought the peat on tree, <laughs> you know, but it was just like, I don't know, just funny things like that that happened. And I said to him at the time, you know, we're walking out of the store and I said, well, you sure do know how to leave an impression. And he looked <laughs> up at me and went, you know, win me a grand. I'm like, okay, you know, but he was, he was special. And I love my new dog. I do but he's not Zen, you know, I can love him in a totally different way, Mm -hmm. but then will always be the love of my life dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: My cat Spike was that for me. He was my soulmate. We meditated together. He was, he's pretty much everything. I mean, there was such a connection and I'm seeing a parallel with my relationship with Spike with your relationship with Zen. Yeah, It's a, it's very different relationship. I mean, I've, I've had cats. My whole life, like I said, but nothing like what Spike and I had. And you're probably the same thing. All of the dogs you've had, they're all beautiful relationships, but
2: nothing like you and Zen. It's really, and and I think in my case, Zen was, you know, all the other dogs, a lot of them we had during the Colin, that's my son, during the Colin years, when we were so up to our eyeballs and dealing with that, that. I mean, we loved mm-hmm. them and we tried to pay attention, but when Zen came, it was just me My son had moved across the way with his caregivers. I was in the house by myself. It was just Zen and me. And we had all the time in the world to devote to each other. I wasn't sidetracked or, you know, taken away from him by anything. i mean, here and there, obviously. I had had to go to the store and do things, but you know what I mean? It was just us. And he was my dog. He was nobody else's dog. He wasn't Bob's and my dog. He was my dog you know, and, Mm. and we were just, and again, Stepford dog, he was just so perfect. That lightning could never strike twice. I was kind of hoping. It might, it might. Well, we'll see how, now when I named this new dog, you know, it's so funny. I didn't realize I was rhyming it with Zen. Mm. It didn't even occur to me until I had him for the first three weeks and called him Zen everyday weeks. But I named this one Finn. He's all mm. white, one blue eye. And Finn sounded kind of Finnish and Northern and, you know, all of that to me. And so I got him and I brought him home and I'm like, okay, Zen, come. Oh, what, 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 Finn, Finn. Finn. <laughs> so that's when I realized I'd I'd rhymed the names, which was kind of a dumb thing to do, I guess. But he's more challenging. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He will never be the stepford dog that Zen was, but but he's a very sweet, loving, I mean, last night I was lying on the sofa, watching TV. And he came and put his head like this on my leg and just looked at me like he just loved me so much.
3: <laughs>
2: just like, I love you. I wish I could talk and tell you I do, you know. It was just so <laughs> sweet. So he's a very, Zen was kind of independent. Let's get our ends right now. And Finn is much more not independent. He just wants to be with me everywhere, lies outside the shower you know, can't be in another room away from me. So, you know, he's a little different, but I think we'll, you know, we're finding our way. And, and if he would just quit, he knows every rabbit hole on top of this mountain.
0: Oh no, <laughs> poor rabbit. I'm not <laughs> kidding,
2: he knows every rabbit hole. So the minute we go out the door, it's, you know, go mm-hmm. check, out, oh, there might be somebody there. So you just have to start readjusting a bit. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: they're all individuals.
1: Just like people, yep. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> When you get your animals from an adoption agency, Mm -hmm. how do you, you kind of explained a little bit with Zen on how you kind of felt that connection with him. Mm -hmm. Do you find that it's kind of the same thing like with Fen now that when you adopted him, there was also some kind of like felt some kind of connection to adopt him over any of the other dogs that might've been there?
2: Yeah, it was really a fluke. I had gone down to get a new battery for my iPhone. So when I gave them the phone, they told me it's going to be an hour, an hour and a half. So kill some time. So I thought, okay, went down to the car thinking, oh, I'll just go check Facebook. And went, well, no, you won't because you don't have your phone. So, oh, the animal shelter is not far away. So I'll just run over there. They're not going to have any huskies. There's no way because I had my heart set on a husky. I probably should have gotten something smaller in retrospect. but, But anyway, I had my heart set on a husky and I went into the animal shelter because, you know, here in West Virginia, I'm sure it's true in a lot of places, we have a lot of like hunting dogs and bird dogs and, you know, that kind of dog. So mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. all that would be in there. There'd be no huskies, two huskies, mm-hmm. Oh wow! Two. one that was the beautiful husky look, one like that they named him Bolt, and I thought, okay, I don't want that one because <laughs> <laughs> the name could come through. So we don't want to, uh-uh, we don't want to do that. <laughs> and then they had a who was named Noah there. He was all white with the one blue eye and the one brown eye, and, and I was walking down, you know, past all the cages, and all the dogs were going crazy, jumping, and screaming, and howling. And, and I got to his cage, and he was Mr. Calm. He very calmly came up on the cage to be eye level with me and just looked at me with that blue, eye. the blue eye just got me,
3: mm-hmm.
2: looked at me with that blue eye and I put my fingers through the cage and he licked them and I went, oh no, I'm in so much trouble because <laughs> this was <laughs> only seven or eight months after Zen passed. And I really didn't want to, I wanted to wait a little longer before I did, mm-hmm. but you know, is the husky going to be there next time? Maybe not. So I looked at him, I said, oh man, I'm, I'm in so much trouble with you. This is not going to be good. But you know, again, I do this every time I talked to the person who runs the shelter. And I said, I'd like to be able to think about this for two or three days. Would that be possible? I mean, if anybody, mm-hmm. would you let me know and give me first dibs? Because, and she said, sure. So I went off for two or three days and couldn't, you know, Couldn't forget him. I I was trying to focus on, you know, the good parts of not having that responsibility. Like you can go whenever Mm -hmm. you want. You don't have to, like when I have to go out of town for a book signing or something like that, you know, I don't have to worry about what to do with, you know, the dog or the animal. And, and I thought, now remember that dream of there's freedom and not having to, but there's also the house feeling very empty and yeah. the, for the first time in my life, there was not another living, breathing thing in my house except for me. Mm. And I thought, you know, so what if you have to worry about, you know, boarding and all those things? It's most of the time, most of my life is spent here. You know, the times that I have to do those things are, uh, I don't want to say rare, but they're, you know, maybe once a month, you've got to make a yeah. little trip or something. So I went back and got him and And he's been, he's kept me going. I mean, he has really kept me on my toes ever since. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I'm a big believer that animals choose us. We don't choose the animals. So from your stories, Zen chose Mm -hmm. you and now Finn chose you. You guys are so good with the names. You're you're them right up. People behind the scenes are pushing you together too. But yeah, I mean, I understand that having that space from the death of one to getting another one, the responsibilities involved. I couldn't go more than two months. My tic-tac passed away and, you know, and I was just devastated. And I told my husband, I'm like, you know, we're just going to wait. I'll I'll let my cats pick me. All of my cats have chosen me over my entire life. So I'm just going to let that happen. It was like a month after I said mm-hmm. that. We had been two months without it. I saw the pictures of my two cats and Maisie was looking right at the camera. And I'm like, that's, that's, those are (laughs) cats. And so we ended up didn't having that space. So we, we only got to take one trip without them. And yeah, it was, they choose us. They totally choose us. And they know when we're ready. I believe that too,
2: you know, because I'm, I wrote a book about Zen. Now I plan not right away because I have to have him longer so we can have some experiences together. But I plan on writing a book about Finn, like another just little book. And I had this idea oh gosh, should I tell it? Because will somebody steal it if I do? But I had this idea of, you know, Finn being in the shelter mm-hmm. and having a guardian angel dog,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, you know who, and kind of directing him on how to behave better and how to, <laughs> you know. Oh, I <laughs> love it. You. Don't flow it, you know, go on, come on. So I have one thing that's all in my head, but that's my idea.
0: Yeah, even if somebody wrote a book similar to that, it's not gonna be the same because you have the experience of of Zen and Finn. Yeah. So it's gonna be unique to you mm-hmm. and to those dogs. So I think it's a beautiful mm-hmm. story. I think so it
2: needs too. to be written. I, I just <laughs> I was just really, I don't know, it was such a cathartic thing. I was it just helped my heart and my soul so much to write the book you know and i said to myself if nobody ever buys it at least i have it and i can look at it and know that there's can you see that little picture of us together
1: oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah
2: Yeah, there we are
0: yeah so all you listeners if you want to see that picture it's a really beautiful little picture go buy the book
2: (laughs) (laughs) but i had a wonderful artist named jan philpot who did the sketches because every chapter has pencil sketches um She also did this beautiful cover.
3: This is the most beautiful book. I
2: love it so much. But she did an extraordinary job and she was so wonderful to work with. And, you know, just trying to give her my vision of what I thought would be outstanding in each chapter for her to work on and all that. It was just a wonderful experience. So I don't know. I love writing children's books. Shockingly enough, I had no idea. That's kind of a surprise <laughs> in my later life here. And of course, writing a book on Zen was just, I had, even if yeah. my publisher had said, nah, I'm not interested, I would have had to do it. I just had mm. to do it, but she loved it and did not change one word of it. Oh, and that's one thing I wanted to tell you. The story is told by Zen. It's in his voice. Oh, he nice. tells the story about what it was mm. like he saw me coming and how he knew huh. that I was his person. And that. when he picked up my scent, He knew that's a scent he would remember the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. So when he picks it up, he knows right away, it's me coming. It was, it's really interesting to have it be told in the dog's voice as opposed Mm. to, you know, not me just telling a story, but the dog going, this is what I was thinking. And I think I captured it. Bob was so good at that. Bob could take one of our dogs over the years and say, like, do a dialogue. Mm-hmm. See, this is the thing I think I picked up from him a little bit. So when I sat down to write it, it just started coming out in Zen's voice, Zen talking and saying, mm-hmm. oh, the minute I saw her, I knew blah, 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 blah. And <laughs> I thought, oh, I kind of like this. Let me see if I can carry that all the way through the book. And I was able to, it was, I don't know. I think I picked that up from Bob. Bob was the best storyteller in the mm. world he supplied sound effects i mean he could do the whole kit and caboodle oh
0: uh, wonderful. and make anything
2: he told you know so interesting so <laughs> i'm not as good as he was but i think yeah it rubbed off on me a little bit
0: mm. you're truly giving an animal a voice with yeah mm. them.
2: absolutely and you know i really believe out of up there are any animal shelter people out there, but I honestly believe if you guys have any connections for me or anything, I honestly believe this is something that vets could have in their offices and, mm, you know, yeah. the animal shelters could have available for people. And mm-hmm. because I really believe it's that. Again, if you're not a reader, you don't look at it and go, oh, geez, how am I ever going <laughs> to read all that? I don't even like to read. You're going to look at it and go, oh, I bet I can do that. And then mm. I put recipes at the end, two recipes of homemade dog treats that were Zen's favorite dog treats. Oh. So you get those, which is that kind is. of fun, you know. <laughs> So yeah, you have to have one. You guys have to have one.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I would love to read that story. And we're going to put it on our website as well with the link so that people can easily find it and, and purchase the book for themselves.
2: Great. I want people to know that at BobDenver.com, which is an easy, I would think anyway, an easy web address to remember. Right. Um, obviously, I have them there in Gilligan's Gift Gallery. And those books I can sign. If somebody wants one, hmm. I can sign those the orders come straight to me and i can sign them and get them right off to you otherwise amazon is uh i hate to admit it but i'm an amazon person i'm a prime <laughs> person
0: if you love i think we all are if nowadays you, <laughs> if you love prime and you love the two-day delivery
2: and you love all that then absolutely you can get it there if you do please write a review reviews are so important and mm. people get busy and they don't you know myself have done that you plan to do it and then you get sidetracked and Forget and so we need all the reviews we can get because that puts you higher in the hierarchy, you know, of Amazon. But I can't sign them if they're ordered from there. Only right. from the website can yeah. I sign them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome that you are offering that additional option, <laughs> option <laughs> additional option by going directly to your website. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would really love to have that extra option as well.
0: I've been on the website. It's got a lot of stuff on it. Oh yeah, it's got a lot of great stuff on it. So go to the website. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that <laughs> so
2: much. It's, you know, I'm the one who does it. So <laughs> I hear when people give you feedback that there's a lot of information about Bob and Gilligan mm-hmm. and me. And, and of course now, because Bob's been gone so long on the homepage, it's a lot about my books and Dawn Wells, when Dawn passed away and mm-hmm. I have a mm-hmm. tribute her there and all of that. So it's, you know, not so much about Bob on the main page. But all you have to do is, is go to the drop-down menus, and you can find all the Gillian Maynard stuff that you're looking for. Yeah. All there. Mm-hmm.
1: You've become a pet adoption advocate. Mm-hmm. Did this occur before you had Zen, or has it been something that developed because of your experiences with adopting Zen and Now, Finn.
2: We can give Zen the credit. I think I've always adopted dogs. I can think of maybe two dogs in my lifetime that I went to a pet shop and bought. Mm -hmm. Bob's Golden Retriever, I did get her from a breeder, but most of my dogs have been rescues. And I don't know, I guess prior to getting Zen, my life just felt so turned upside down, first of all, by the challenge of our son. And then you know, 20, almost 21 years of that. And then Bob got sick and passed away. And I just didn't think in terms, even though I always adopted dogs, I didn't think in terms of the encouragement that other people might need to do it. Mm
3: -hmm. However,
2: now it's me and I wrote this book and I really believe having gone both ways, I truly believe that rescues are thankful in a way that maybe other dogs aren't. Not that other dogs can't love you and all of that, Mm -hmm. but I mean, they just look at you sometimes. Like, well, I know Zen did. He would, he knew that, I mean, he was found how this happened. I, I don't know because he was so gorgeous, but he was found walking the streets of the next town over. Hmm. And that's when, the shelter got him. And then he was one day away from being euthanized when the Southern West Virginia Animal League went to the shelter to see if there was anything they felt they could rescue and then, you know, pass on to somebody like me. Mm -hmm. So he was, I mean, this beautiful dog was one day away from being euthanized. And I think that's what really got me because Mm. he was the perfect dog. There will never be another perfect dog quite like him. But I just, I would look at him the whole eight years I had him and think, oh my gosh, if they hadn't gotten you that day, you would have been put to sleep and I would never have had you. And so I didn't know that about any other rescues. Yeah. I only knew that about Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And that really spoke to me. It was like, ah, no, you know, that
0: can't happen. Can't happen. Yeah. My mom did that with one of the cats that I ended up taking over care of. Her name was Gabriella. And believe it or not, I truly believe that she was autistic if that can exist in animals because my mom had been taking care of an autistic child for years and a lot of the cat's behaviors were very similar very similar wow she didn't like change she didn't i mean if somebody walked into her space or there was movement that she was not used to in the space she would literally freak out. Mm. She just could not handle it. And because of that behavior, when she was a year and a half years old, she was in the shelter. Mm. They had done everything they could to get her adopted. They said not good with kids. They declawed her, which we are totally against. But in Mm -hmm. her situation, it helped her have a little bit more time. And then my mom found her a day before they were going to euthanize her because Mm. she was this beautiful white and gray long-haired cat. And she just wasn't adoptable quote unquote, according to them, my mom found her and she lived to be 19 years old. She had such an incredible life. She was fine with my other cats. She didn't like them necessarily, but she, there was no (laughs) fights. There was nothing. I mean, she just like, I'll stay over here on my couch. You stay over there and we'll be fine. Yeah, And we just managed her like we would manage a semi-autistic child and she was so happy. I was able to give her fluids towards the end of her life and without any problems. It just goes to show you that the more we look at these animals as just sentient animals with individual personalities mm-hmm. and feelings and thoughts and desires and intentions, that these animals that are assumed to be quote unquote, unadoptable, or that sit in a shelter and people think, oh, we don't have any room, we're going to euthanize them, that there's just so much life in these animals and they can live these incredible, incredible lives, mm-hmm. even with health issues. I have a feeling line leukemia virus positive cat. Her sister probably got put to sleep as soon as they went to the rescue. She's here. I mean, her brother passed away last year from leukemia, but she's totally healthy. She's living her best life in a body that a human would assume that she wasn't worth it. We should just get rid of her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that Miranda and I try to do is we want to let people know that these animals are like, They're people. Yeah.
1: And we need to treat them with the same care, respect. Understanding, compassion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't think of anything else
2: in your life. And I'm I'm talking about dogs here. Though Mm -hmm. Bob and I had, he loved cats too. We had a whole bunch of cats at one point. But nothing will ever love you so unconditionally. Yeah. Or the loyalty. And I talk about that in chapter seven of the book. I don't want to give everything away. (laughs) When Adam named all the animals, when he was given the responsibility of naming all the creatures on the earth, mm-hmm. uh-huh. it's about how dog came to be called dog. And it really has to do with all those characteristics that are yeah. loyalty and forgiveness and unconditional love and all the things that Absolutely. that a dog possesses. And, you know, they may be a part of our world, but we're their whole world. Yes. I mean, everything in, in Finn's life started to say Zen, see so he almost did it. Mm-hmm. But everything in Finn's life just revolves around me. It's like, you know. Yeah. And everything in my life just, well, a lot of my life revolves around him. But there are other, th- you know, you're the thing mm-hmm.
3: that they love. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It matters. And I I don't know where you're going to find, you know, anything quite like that.
0: I don't think you will. I mean, historically, dogs chose to be with humans For companionship. Yeah. And that sets them apart from any other animal on the planet. Yeah. Cats chose us for convenience and they just (laughs) enjoy the pets and the cuddles. But dogs historically chose us for friendship and companionship. It's a completely different world. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I can't imagine. Like I said, I went seven months
2: and it was a very lonely sort of empty feeling. Seven months without my buddy. Mm -hmm. And I don't miss him. And I wish I could, you know, voodoo Finn and give him a lot of those independent <laughs> qualities that Zen had and come on, you know, but maybe we'll get there. You know, Zen was just like that from the beginning. We might, yeah, we might do it. And this one's so funny. I decided, okay, I'm gonna give you more freedom because I'm a little bit, well, I hate to admit this, never before, but with Zen and now with Finn, I'm a little bit of a helicopter dog mom.
3: Mm. <laughs> but
2: when they go out, <laughs> Because I'm finding out we've got all this white bears and you know all kinds of yeah. coyotes and all kinds of things up here. So when they're out, I'm with them. Mm. My other dogs, when we had Colin and that took up all of our energy, I let my other dogs, they came and went. I never worried about them. And they were usually, except for the one that disappeared, usually fine. But with Zen, I was always with them. With Zen so far I'm always with them. But the other day I opened the back door and I said, you know what, because he goes after rabbits and he's gone, you know. I said, I'm just gonna let you out. You know, you can come back in when you feel like it. I'm gonna try not to be so wound up about where you are and what you're doing. I'm gonna assume you're fine. And so I walked out on the deck with him. He went out into the yard and I turned around and waited about five minutes and went back in, left the door open. Within 30 seconds, he was right there at my feet again. It's like, Mm -hmm. I can't be outside without you, wait. So I'm like, okay, I get to continue to be a helicopter dog mom. There you go.
1: Yeah.
0: There's a lot of joy in that. I'm a helicopter mom. There's a lot of joy in that.
2: Yeah. I mean, there is. Plus, again, gets me up and moving, which is always a good thing. You know, like I've gotten some cute little videos of him and pictures that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't been right with him when mm. he was outside. And and he's very attached to me. So I don't think he's going to go far. I um, I think it's just like. Okay, wait, I don't see you. Wait, wait, wait. where did we come out? Okay. That's Yep. <laughs> so it's all good.
0: It's all good. Animals make our lives just that much more mm. full and wonderful. Oh, much better. Now in honor of time, uh, Marina, do you had any other questions that you wanted to make sure we got to for our listeners to help Support Dreamer in any way, or we can just keep chatting. I'm good with that. I just want to make sure we leave space.
1: Well, I have a couple of other questions I was going to ask, but it was more just to kind of get your opinion on a couple of things if you have the time. Okay. Let's see if I have an opinion. Forget the time. We'll see if I. (laughs) With everything that has happened over the last few years, you're probably aware that a lot of people have bought and adopted animals to help them get through the challenges of the time. How do you think that this time has affected the animals in regards to the adoptions purchases and the surrenders that have, I think, also occurred?
2: Wow, you know, I think exactly what we said is true. A lot of people, I mean, when you're locked down for Mm -hmm. month after month after month after month, what I read was that a lot of people did go to animal shelters or adopt animals. And then I read later when things opened back up again and people were freer. I read that a lot of animals were getting returned.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I don't have any stats on it, but I did read that, you know, they were going back to the animal shelters or people, maybe they were buying dogs. I don't know, but they were getting them and they ended up giving them back. I mean, I understand the frustration you get. I've had it with Finn, you know, it, it's like, oh, are you ever going to pay attention to what I'm telling you? And, oh, why did I get a dog? I've had that, but mm-hmm. I could never take him back.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's
2: no way that could ever, ever happen. He and I are just going to have to figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it did cause a lot of that. The chapter in my book, books and now is about lockdown and mm-hmm. what that's like for the two of us and how much he loved it because he had me with him. 24 hours a day, I couldn't go anywhere or do anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, I understand that was such a weird time, something we'd never been through. And right, yeah. and I can I don't know what to call it. I can understand that, you know, oh, this is a great time to get a dog. We're all home. We're all here. We can train together. We can do all that, and not thinking ahead to okay, when we go back to life, if that ever happens, mm-hmm. is this going to be a good choice that we're making? Right. I sort of understand doing that impulsively, and then. You know, depending on what kind of person you are, possibly regretting it and then wanting to undo what you did because now we're back Mm -hmm. to normal. I don't know what Mm -hmm. the amp is. I mean, I really don't. Mm -hmm. I'm just a person who couldn't, if I had to do anything at all, it would have to be rehoming. I could not take a dog back to a shelter.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I think, like you said, a lot of people didn't really give a lot of forethought to what was going to happen in the future. It's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm at home, I'm working from home now, or maybe I lost my job and I'm at home or whatever. So the animal gets used to having you around all the time. And it's like now suddenly you've maybe got a job back again and you're going to be away for eight hours or something a day, or maybe you're going back to school or something. And now all of a sudden the dog, the cat, whatever type of animal has to adjust to oh, my people aren't around me anymore, or they're only around for a limited amount of time.
2: I think a cat would be better at that. They're so independent. Am I right, Victoria? Mm -hmm.
0: Um, just like dogs are individuals. My cat, when we had her and her brother, they were so connected. And we got them before COVID even hit. So they were really little. So they've only known mom and dad to be home all the time. But when Frankie passed away, that my biggest concern was her. And to this day, she can't even be, in another room without us, Uh, but I've had other cats that were completely different. Yeah. So it's all individuals. I think one of the things that can help in this whole situation is we have to look at animals as those individuals not every cat's the same, not every dog's the same, not every bird's the same, not every reptile's the same. It doesn't matter what the animal that you have adopted is. Uh-huh. Every single one is going to be different. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it's I pretty- think we need to, we got to give them a voice. Mm-hmm. We have to look at the world through their eyes mm-hmm. and look at every situation that involves them through their eyes Mm -hmm. to understand what the best direction is within every situation. Yeah.
2: Well, we all know that lockdown and quarantine and all of that was something none of us had ever been through.
0: And
3: Mm -hmm. yeah,
2: you know, I think that was, um, I remember being very, you know, I live alone and I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm good. And I remember when they locked us down for the first two weeks, I thought, Oh, this is going to be a walk in the park this is how I live anyway not a big deal uh-uh. mm-hmm. but as it went on and on and on I started feeling like you know even living like that in a normal month I was like it psychologically was different yeah psychologically affected yeah. you know me differently than just being home because I'm choosing to be home you know right. not because someone told me I had to be
1: home so yeah that was a very weird time. Yeah. 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 We don't like it when our choices are taken away from us. I no, we have humans. <laughs> I had no idea how
2: much I, I'm the easiest going person. You know, I just want to get along, but I tell you what, I found out that I've got a real stubborn streak during all this.
3: <laughs> mm. I was like,
2: wait, you, you can't tell me what to do. What? <laughs> you
0: yeah, know, Right. <laughs> so that's in me somewhere.
2: It's a good thing to know. Yeah. I
0: think. <laughs> I was completely the opposite. I'm like, go ahead and stay home. Awesome. Yay. <laughs> I kept saying to everybody, I'm like, I've been planning for this my whole life. <laughs> I'm
2: good. Well, again, that's where I am most of the time. I'm right here, you know, writing or doing my thing. But if there's something I need to do or want to do, I want to be able to do it. That's all.
0: Yeah. You know, <laughs> Well, that's kind of how animals see the world. Yeah. They want something like I know my cat, if she wants something, she's not going to stop until she gets it. Yeah. And I think dogs are the same yeah you know that whole added to dog with the bone if they want something they're going to find a way to get it mm-hmm. right and i think that makes us similar in a lot of ways yeah for sure
3: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> that was an opinion i did have an opinion didn't i yeah yep, that was an opinion <laughs> think that, that was an opinion what was that that i just
1: did okay <laughs> just so that we don't run too far over time here I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the Denver Foundation that you co-founded with your husband and to share a little bit more about that so people have more understanding of what you do with that and how they might benefit from it. Well, the Denver Foundation,
2: um, gosh, we started it not long before Bob passed away and it was in honor of our son, obviously. And over the years, you know, times are tough right now for everybody with prices going up and, yeah. and just everything that's going on and raising money is really, um, you know, I have to admit, I just don't enjoy asking for money, you know, mm-hmm. and especially now in the last couple of years has been a bit of a challenge. But prior to that, we were able to, I'm in West Virginia where the foundation has, I hate to admit it, but it's never been, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or anything like that. But it has generated enough donations that we have been able at times to supply iPads for autistic people for communication, you know, Mm -hmm. download apps that to the iPad that allow them to show you what they want to eat or, you know, communicate. Mm -hmm. My son is nonverbal, so I've never had a conversation with him. And that was kind of important to me. We've supplied, you know, specialized wheelchairs and bathtub chairs. When I remember one dad in particular had a daughter who was getting older and she was not capable of getting herself in and out of the tub. He would have to help her and he needed a chair to be able to do that. So we've done that, you know, and then what ended up happening with the Denver Foundation, which is a passion of mine, is that as under the umbrella of the Denver Foundation, I started in West Virginia, the first Honor Flight program called Always Free Honor Flight which Mm -hmm. honors our veterans with free trips to Washington, D.C. to see their memorials. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, when I started that program, I knew I was going to love it. And I was really excited about it. Now, up until COVID, we had made 10 trips honoring hundreds and hundreds of West Virginia veterans. Mm -hmm. And we started in 2012 until 2020. We made all of our trips. Sometimes two a year, sometimes one a year, depending on how much money we were able to raise. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit easier to raise money for our veterans than for anything else I've ever tried to raise money for, which makes sense. Mm, oh, I'm
3: That's sure. all good.
2: Yeah, but always free honor flight ended up being one of the true joys of my life. Mm-hmm. And like every other American, I had what I thought was a wonderful appreciation for our veterans, for the people serving in the military who keep us safe and preserve our freedoms, and all of that. Mm-hmm. I thought I had the proper amount of respect. I didn't until I started making the trips with these World War II veterans, Korea veterans, Vietnam veterans, and you know, being with them for 24 hours, hearing their stories, watching them cry without fail. The World War II, vet- yeah. when they saw that memorial, I don't care how tough they were in their younger days, they break down and cry. And, mm. but the, and to take Vietnam veterans who were really reticent to go look at the wall and find the names of their buddies that they were, you know, they wanted to find to get with one of or two of those veterans and say, I can't even begin to imagine what this is to you, but yeah. I will walk over there and I will hold your hand and I will be a shoulder you can cry on mm-hmm. without embarrassment because I don't know what this feels like. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And that was I love our military. I love our veterans. I appreciate them so much. I, it's hard to even verbalize what a change that made in me doing honor flight and being able to just being able to share that with them.
3: Mm. And
2: then here in the town where I live, we started the always free walk of honor, which is one of the programs where you can buy the bricks to honor your veteran and Mm. all that money goes to honor flight to be able to make the trips. We haven't been able to make one since COVID started. Uh, I think we're going to do one in 2023, but mm-hmm. we hadn't been able to make one because of uh, 2020, nobody could mm-hmm. 21. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what it was, but in 2022, it was like, they wanted you to be, I, I don't want to get into a conversation about this. They wanted you to be vaccinated. They wanted this, that, and the other, mm-hmm. and some of the veterans were not willing to do that. Oh, so yeah. rather than yeah. take any chance, they're older, everybody's older, including me, you know, Rather than take any chance with anybody's help, we just put it off until we feel confident yeah. that we can make the trip again. Because we were so blessed. I mean, for the 10 years that we did it, that we were able to do it. And thank you, Lord. No emergencies of any kind. Mm-hmm. You hear about yeah. honor flights where, you know, a 92-year-old veteran will fall at the, at the World War II Memorial. Or, you know, you hear those stories we never, we were just so blessed that it was just perfect every time.
3: Yeah. We don't mm-hmm. want to, ruin
2: that. you know, I don't want anybody getting sick and, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, having their health compromised because of this, we'd rather wait. So yeah, it
1: makes sense. But that's mm-hmm. the
2: things I'm most proud of in my life. If you ever get a chance to see an honor flight off or welcome them home, or even better to be a, a guardian on one of the flights where you are assigned a veteran and you push the wheelchair and all of that, I'm telling you, It'll give you a whole, a whole new perspective on all of that.
0: Yeah. Well, I am getting the sense that the experiences that you've offered to these veterans is probably the greatest gift they've ever been given in their life as well. Mm-hmm. Having someone to just allow them the space to feel the emotions that they've been hiding from for a lot of reasons, Oh yeah! but also giving them a voice. I mean, really by sitting there and experiencing that with them and supporting them the entire way, right. some of these people probably have never felt that in their lives. So that's a beautiful thing.
2: Yeah. They'll often write me after a trip, uh, not all of them, but some will write and say it was the best day of their lives that they couldn't imagine that they would ever have been able to. And we had two trips that were, I'm mean, they're all special. They're all wonderful. And they're all different, mm-hmm. depending on the personalities of the veterans and all that. The first trip we made, we take a bus because we're pretty close to D.C., five hours. So rather than go an hour and a half to get a plane, and we just get on a bus and go. So the first trip we made, we had a veteran. He was Shecky Green. He walked up to the front of the bus and he said, can I have the mic? And I said, sure. What do you want to do? And he started a whole comedy routine <laughs> that had you know, everybody on the bus. Up. But we had two trips. One National Honor Flight called me about doing. It was called the TLC trip, which means their last chance. They had four veterans in uh, Beckley, West Virginia, which is about 45 minutes from me. They had four veterans, three World War II and one Korea, um, one Vietnam, I'm sorry veteran and they had all been given a finite amount of time they were in hospice and their dying wish was to see their memorials Mm. so we had just made a trip honor flight said if you'll do it we'll take care of it so we said we'd do it we got it together there were four veterans four nurses one grandson three members of team denver honor flight team and the bus driver so i'm not going to do the math but 12 or 13 people i guess That trip was phenomenal because usually you have, you know, 55, 60 people. This, we all stayed together for everything. You know, sometimes you get to the Lincoln Memorial and people get off the bus and some go to the Vietnam Wall and some go to the Korean Memorial and some go to the Lincoln. This one, we were all together and it was just so moving because this was their dying wish. The other that was extraordinary, and I have to thank Senator Manchin's office. Regardless of what you think politically, he has always been wonderful to our veterans on every trip. But we were two weeks away from a trip, and I got a call from a reporter at the Register Herald, which is about 45 minutes from where I am. And she said she had just interviewed a veteran, a World War II veteran, who was going on the trip with us. And did I know that he was a Tuskegee airman? Ooh. And I said, no. And she said, well, he is. I can send you like a copy of the article on get ready to do. And she said his dream is to have the red blazers that the first Bush administration gave out to all the Tuskegee airmen. So, of course, I got the information. The vice president of Always Free Honor Flight is retired military. So he started looking into it to make sure that everything was legitimate, that he was a Tuskegee airman. He was. I called Senator Manchin's office. And I told them, I said, you know, we're coming in two weeks. Here's the deal. We have a Tuskegee Airman with us. We just found out. And he wants the red jacket. Somehow he and I'm sure others were overlooked and he never got one. So they did their homework to make sure that he was truly a Tuskegee Airman. Of course he was. And they said to us, Okay, we're on it because we would have gone out and just bought him him a red blazer, you know. Yeah. But we wanted him to have the real deal if there was any way to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So they got the red blazer and then they got in touch with me to let me know that Senator Manchin had found out that not only was he entitled to the red blazer, but he was also entitled to a congressional gold medal.
0: Oh, my goodness. How wonderful.
2: He had no idea. So I was able to get in touch with his family as quickly as I, the ones that I could, managed to get a granddaughter there to see him receive it. Fox News covered it. All the local stations in DC covered it. We did it at the Capitol. And how many people get to be part of the presentation of a congressional gold medal? I mean, we all got to be part of that. And then Senator Manchin, I think Sergeant Watson's gold medal was like that. You know, okay, they had one made for me. That was about like that. And it is so, it's got the profile of three Tuskegee airmen on the front. And when you turn it over, it's got the planes that they flew. Wow. I mean, it's beautiful. It's my prized possession. Mm. I mean, it just means the world to me. So we were able to do that. Now that's good enough right there. Sergeant Watson was 96 years old, made the trip, put us all to shame. I mean, he, you know, he wasn't running a marathon or anything, but he was as well as I was, I'm telling you. Three months after we got him his jacket and got him a congressional gold medal that he had no idea was coming, his daughter called me to tell me that he had passed away. Now, we managed to do that with the help, obviously, of Senator Manchin just in time. Yeah, I mean, if he hadn't been going on that trip, he would never have seen the red jacket he wanted. There's no way to verbalize the feeling of being able to be instrumental in making something like that happen right at the end of his life. I mean, we didn't know it was going to be the end of his life, 96. So, you know, Honor Flight has been the privilege of my life. It truly has of everything I've done. And I love being an author and I love the Denver foundation and, and I love other things I've had my little fingers in, Yeah. but that is humbling and so gratifying.
0: Hmm. That's amazing. Thank you so much for all of that. I mean, it really It goes to show that just throwing money at things doesn't do the same thing as actually investing the time and being in that experience with them. Right. And that's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful thing. I mean, I would
2: encourage any of your listeners, I would encourage anybody who has an honor flight program in their, I mean, some big cities have multiple ones, you know we have ours here in this state because we're a small state, but if ever you have the opportunity to go on one, that is the ultimate right there. That is the big thing. But even greeting them when they get home, just to put your foot in there, you know, it's just like wading into the shallow end. If that's all you have time to do or all you can do, it's so touching. Every time we come home, I'd put up Facebook posts and try to you know explain if you go on my Facebook and go through my albums there should be one for every honor flight mm-hmm. I'm sure there should be one for every honor flight you know I try to describe it when I write the post and I just can't you know it's just almost too much and it's, ne- it's nothing I ever saw myself doing ever
0: yeah it's beyond words it's beyond words it really is it's hard to even attach words to something like that that type of a gift that type of an experience right. that one gentleman I mean he just came full circle I mean yeah finally his service it just closed up his life so beautifully right mm-hmm.
2: before the end of his life yeah. you know
0: and the other thing that I've
2: seen that that makes my heart just oh, uh, is our Vietnam veterans Because, you know, as we lost World War II, because there there are fewer and fewer of them, we started including Vietnam, Korea and Vietnam. And and the last trip we made, we even took like some Desert Storm veterans because, you know, we're losing the older veterans. But one thing that just really made me happy because the Vietnam War is my era. Mm -hmm. And I remember I didn't pay, you know, close, close attention. But I do. I was, you know, young and involved in acting. I was an actress. That's how I met Bob. But I do remember that those veterans, or those military guys were coming home. They were being spat upon and called baby killers and all that kind of mm. stuff. So they mm. didn't get a welcome home mm, at all. They didn't. Not a thank you at all. So now when we go to Washington and we're at any of the memorials, it doesn't matter which one, people will line up. I'm talking little kids all the way up to college or my age. I mean, the whole span of ages will line up. And go through a line and shake their hands and thank them. And that is the first time the Vietnam veterans in many cases have had any thanks at all. Yeah. It means it makes them cry. I mean, it's it's amazing. I don't know how you can ever look at our military, the people who serve this country, which is such a tiny percentage. Yeah. I don't know how you could ever be involved in the honor flight in any way and look at them without so much respect and honor.
3: Absolutely. Because could
2: I do what they've done? No, I, I can't even imagine enlisting in the military and and, and doing what they've done. So that really is the, it's been the great privilege of my life. I love every trip, every
3: minute. Yeah,
1: that's beautiful. You've done and are still doing some amazing things and it's been so fabulous having you share these things with us, these activities, all of the experiences, all of the, the books, the events you attend, the activities that you are involved in And how you are helping people in myriads of ways. And I'm so grateful to have been able to learn more about you and what you're doing and be able to share it with more of the world. Thank you. That's so
0: nice. Yeah, I'm right on board with that too, because I've thoroughly loved our conversation. Mm -hmm. And as Miranda was saying her piece, and pretty much through this entire conversation, and I'm sorry if this, gets emotional, but I see Zen, I see Bob, and they're looking down on you with the biggest smiles for what you have done for this world. And the world is grateful to have you. And I know that Bob and Zen are just looking over with just such pride and such (laughs) love and- Hope. That's the word that just pops into my head. Hope. Because the more we do stuff like this, the more we give voices to veterans, the more we give voices to animals, the more that we give voices to special needs humans and animals, the better this world is. And the more we can find a common ground. Yeah.
2: You know, I've always read over all these years that if you, like when Bob died, it was so important to me to carry on the things we had started most of which we had just started that ended up being my babies because he was gone and making him proud Yeah, because I was, I was lost. We had been caring for our son. We did full-time care with no help for almost 21 years. Mm. So we're talking caregiving that long. I didn't know anybody here. I mean, I knew very few people here, maybe Mm. the checker at the grocery store or something, you know, I'd not been out there. I'd been, you know, with Bob taking care of our son. And so after he died, I didn't even know how to how to even get myself started get myself to a place where I could do anything i didn't know anybody i didn't of course you know as people found out he passed away and that i was his wife certainly his name was was a great help and i love representing him you know i'm never put off by that i love the fact that i'm able to carry on his legacy and, mm-hmm. and help him be remembered but i always i remember at that time and and every day since practically when you read about i'm not above getting depressed i'm not above feeling down or disheartened or overwhelmed by things it still happens to me. Now, when you hear all that stuff, you think, oh, this, no, no, I don't have it together every minute of every day. There are days that I struggle too, like we all do, but, mm-hmm. but I kept reading and, and started finding out firsthand that when you step outside yourself, your grief, your pain, your worry, whatever it is, and try to do something for other people, which sounds corny and cliche, but it's true. When you step outside yourself and start doing for others, something inside you brightens and lifts. Mm -hmm. You can finally start finding your place. Doesn't mean you're never going to be depressed again. Doesn't mean that I can cry over Bob right now. I'm 17 Mm -hmm. years later. I can cry over him right now. He was the love of my life. But, you know, I feel good, hopefully, that I have represented him well and that he would be proud and he would look down and go, honey, I can't believe you did it, but you did it. (laughs) You know? I can't, another thing I did not, and I only tell this because this was maybe one of the biggest red letter days of my life, uh, besides having a baby and getting married. (laughs) But for years, at least four times over, you know, a couple of decades, West Virginia had tried to get almost heaven, country roads take me home as an official state song, Mm. And it never passed. They couldn't get it done. And I have a radio station. So I had, at that time I had a morning show. And so I started you know, get the viewers churned up about it. And somebody called in and asked if it was a state song. And I said, I don't think it is. Let me check. It wasn't. And I thought, man, this is a no brainer. You know, everybody knows us by this song. So I took that on, rallied my listeners to call in, call the West Virginia, you know, the Senate and the representatives and all that. Tell them you want to see this happen. I got me a representative who co-authored the resolution. to have it done. First year did not get it done. Second year. Failure was not an option. (laughs) No way I'm failing this time. I wrote every single senator in the Senate of West Virginia. I did every interview anybody would let me do. I had all my listeners galvanized. We were all going for it. And in 2014, Country Roads Take Me Home became the official state song of West Virginia.
1: That's That's awesome.
2: Oh, it was so awesome. The governor called me. I got a number I didn't recognize on my phone. And I thought usually I wouldn't answer. But something told me to answer. I answered. It was uh high dream agenda. This is Governor Tomlin. Want to let you know that this is going to pass the Senate on Friday. We'd like to have you here. Bring whoever you want to with you. We want to have you on the Senate floor. Blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you, when it passed unanimously, wow! I wanted to sit down. On They called me to the front. Halfway down, I just wanted to plop down and sit and cry like a baby. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, my gosh. It was so... I mean, that was from my home state, yeah. you know? I was born and raised here.
0: And that song is such an iconic song. There are some people that have never, ever been to West Virginia, but that song gave them the- Let me tell you, <laughs>
2: when I started that campaign, people started writing me and emailing me and stopping me on the street and texting me to tell me where the song had been sung to them. And I'm talking every pub in Ireland, apparently, because everybody <laughs> started in Ireland. The Great Wall of China, Mongolia, wow. the United Arab Emirates. I mean, the list was once somebody found out they were from West Virginia. Uh, Landau Eugene Murphy Jr. is a West Virginian who won America's Got Talent 10 years ago. Had it sung to him in China. I mean, people started telling me their stories, which is what I passed on to all the senators. This is like a no brainer. This is what people, this is what Mm -hmm. makes people think well of West Virginia, as opposed to, Mm -hmm. you know, all of us have one leg shorter than the other and we don't have any teeth and all that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, this puts us in a very good light. So that was a proud day. Let me tell you. That's cool. I cool. I looked up, I gave a speech afterwards in the Capitol Rotunda and somebody caught a picture right when I went. Honey, do you see this? I'm talking (laughs) to Bob, of course, you know? And somebody caught that. It's exactly what I was doing when I said that to Bob. So um, so I'm pretty sure he's that he's pleased that I've done. Okay
0: you know? Hmm. Well, I'm pleased Hmm. for him too. So (laughs) I'm so glad that we got to meet you. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we've been chatting for such a wonderfully long time and I love it. I'm, I'm loving every second. I wish we could talk for longer because I really just, there's a lot of I don't know, parallels in what you've been saying and what I believe in. I mean, the conversation can go forever. We'll have to do it again
2: sometimes. Yes, we of definitely course, do. Definitely. When that
0: new when the next book comes out, you definitely The next have book comes
1: out it. in September. Is that yes. long enough? <laughs> That's oh, <nice>. yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. right. And also, if you ever just want to have a conversation about pet adoption or anything connected to that, we can do that as well. Yeah.
3: Okay.
2: We can do that.
1: I love you guys. It's so much fun. <laughs> so wonderful having you on here and our listeners, if you want to learn more about Dream Advent Denver and everything that she's been doing, she'll let you know how you can find her, follow her. And we'll also be putting her links on our show notes as well, so that you'll be able to easily access those. Yeah.
0: So just, uh, will your names your books again? So people can go find them. The first book I ever wrote,
2: Gilligan's Dreams, about my 30-year marriage to Bob Denver, who played Gilligan. It's about the ups and downs, everything in between, our journey through autism with our sons. So there's a lot of inspiration in the book. I'm just an autistic mom. I'm not a doctor. I don't mean that. But I think there's inspiration. People, even I, when Bob and I, when our son was first diagnosed and I found out that Tony Braxton had an autistic son and John Travolta had an autistic son and Sly Stallone had, there's some kind of comfort in knowing that people that you have watched on TV your whole life might be dealing with. Was something similar to what you're dealing with. I don't know what that's about, but there is comfort in it.
0: Oh, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I wanted people to know that about Bob, first of all. Just a wonderful father, loved his son so much. And so I wanted people to know who he really was, if they were fans of his or the show. So Gilligan's Dreams, first one I wrote. And then, of course, my children's storybook, picture book called Four Bears in a Box I should have had the other two in front of me too, but I don't. So this one, my newest book that came out two months ago, I guess, is Zen and Now about the love story between a person, me and her dream dog, Mm. my Zen. And then in September, I think September the 13th is the release date for Four Bears in a Box Back to the Beach. Mm. So second storybook in that series. And I've got an idea already for a third storybook in that series. So so I'm just going to keep. Turn them out. <laughs>
3: That's <laughs>
2: awesome. I give any more ideas. Then I'm gonna just sit back. And go, okay, whatever.
0: If you want to pick up an autographed copy, you can just go to bobdenver.com. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you can just find it on Amazon. But I suggest that you go to bobdenver.com and see what she's been doing.
2: Oh, yes. It's really, you know, and you can find all the information about Bob. And also if you want to follow my Facebook page. Because I put everything on my Facebook page, Hmm. every honor flight thing, everything we do. Mm -hmm. And also some fun personal things like the story I told you before we went on the air, Mm -hmm. which was on Monday, I was out driving you guys, minding my own business, not bothering anybody in the world and a tree, not a branch, not a limb but a whole tree fell on my car. So mm. that's on there with pictures. Yeah. And everything. But you can follow me on Facebook. That's great. I'm also on Instagram. I'm just sort of new at Instagram, you know? So, mm-hmm. but if you're on Instagram and you want to follow me there, that's great. And then, you know, the website, you can check it out. And again, when you buy things from the website, I can autograph them. Yeah, You get them anywhere else. Obviously I don't see those orders and I can't, but mm-hmm. I would love for everybody to have my books because they really are like four bears in a box was runner up for best children's book at the Paris Book Festival.
3: Oh, so that's it's awesome. An,
2: it's an international winner. So that makes me an internationally award winning author, which is just awesome. That's Something amazing. Coming, you know, that's
3: really mm-hmm. great. The
2: books really are good. I'm not just saying it because I wrote them, they really are beautifully illustrated. Mm. My illustrator, Ashley Belote, on those books is just just so talented and you know, it's all there mm-hmm. and Facebook is the best, you know, messaging me on Facebook, that's the best place to okay. get in touch with me.
0: And all of that will be on the show notes like Miranda had mentioned earlier. Yeah. All right, that's going to so be three or four pages <laughs> of show notes there. <laughs> yeah. yes,
1: yes. And if any of our listeners are professionals in the animal world and you deal with people who have or will possibly be losing their animals soon, maybe you might want to consider part Partnering with DREAMA to help your clients or these people that you interact with to get access to Zen and Now.
2: And I was thinking, you know, if you're a vet, let's say, yeah. and you have somebody like me come in who has to have their dog put to sleep or or something, that would be a lovely, I don't want to say parting gift, but that would be a lovely thing to send them home with. Right. You know, I, I yeah. just think it's very, I know they sent me home with a with a clay imprint, Ben's yeah. paw and... Mm. I had cremated, so he was in a mm-hmm. beautiful little wooden box. But that would be a beautiful thing to include. Right. My publisher is Headline Books, mm-hmm. based in Northern West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And that would be some, like if somebody wanted to order a, a large quantity of them, it would be good to go through Headline. Otherwise, you know, five or 10 or even 20, I could deal with, but.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, we've had such a blast chatting with you. It was lovely meeting you and mm-hmm. hearing your stories. You're such a great storyteller. Okay. So <laughs> I'm a, I'm I was transfixed the me. whole time.
2: <laughs> you don't have to worry about dead air when I'm around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but again, thank you so much. And to respect your time, we'll let you go and uh, take care of all the wonderful things that you need. And your dog probably wants you back.
2: Now, so. I, I had to put him in a crate, which I don't like to do, but I did oh. because he would be right here with the nose. <laughs> that- so um, I, fi- I figured so he can hear He's me hungry, talking so. he knows i haven't gone anywhere but he probably yeah. is ready for a bathroom break that's what i'm guessing yeah right. yeah i love you guys it's been so much fun thank you for having me you're so welcome and you're always welcome back okay next book september
0: yes. all right okay have a wonderful night uh-huh. you too
2: <laughs> bye guys care.
0: bye well what a lovely conversation and what a lovely human we are so grateful that we were able to have Dreama Denver on the show. An incredible storyteller. We enjoyed the conversation so much. Thank you for listening to that. Please follow her. Go to BobDenver.com and see all of the wonderful things she's up to. You won't be sorry. And if you have any questions or if you have any ideas or if you want us to reach out to any guests that you would like to hear from. You can let us know by emailing us at theanimalfilespodcast at gmail.com. And if you just want to connect with us, we're going to have all of Dreama's information on our website and our resources page. And you can find that and all of the social links on theanimalfilespodcast.com. So until next time, bye for now.